Welcome to another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. I know we want to get into the action, but I have to ask that you help me armor us up a bit for the bumpy road ahead. Because I bring you the first hour of this show without unrelated ad nonsense as a proof of concept. And if you value it, then come over to THC Plus for the $8 a month and hear the full two-hour interviews as they were designed to be and as you would enjoy them most. Go to thehiresidechats.com or just click the link in the show notes to get started and within a minute you'll be plugging in your new Plus Show RSS feed into a hopefully decentralized podcasting 2.0 supported app. Feed the things you want to grow and starve the things that gotta go and we will reach the promised land. Think about that and enjoy the show. In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. Rock me like a hurricane, higher side chatters from sunny San Diego. I'm Greg Carlwood, and we have talked to many people working in the realms of energy, medicine, physics, and even magic, who all share similar stories, and that there are better ways waiting for us just beneath the surface of the corporate-controlled paradigm we're all taught are the biggest and best advancements known to man and a testament to modern-day progress. But when you learn about the outer edges of these fields and the people who dared to dig outside of the designated areas, you find that the technologies and systems the world is presented with as cutting-edge progress are really just mechanisms of finely-tuned profit, coupled with the denial that anything else exists. So whether it's cancer-curing tea, cannabis oil, rife devices, exotic principles of electricity, torsion physics, alchemy, ether, zero-point energy, flying saucers, remote viewing, sigils, or the pentagram, how can you not be curious about how well these things really work? Well, wouldn't you know it, today we're talking to a guest who knows about all these things and more. His name is Dan Winner, and his background spans a broad spectrum of disciplines, but he's probably best known for advancing the science of fractality. He graduated with honors at the University of Detroit, then he pursued graduate studies in psychophysiology and the origins of languages. He's worked as a systems analyst with IBM, as well as an industrial metallurgist and crystallographer. Dan also studied at the Gerchiff School of Sacred Gymnastics in Florence with Buckminster Fuller and at Feinhorn. Dan draws on many sources, including science, mythology, popular culture, and even channeled information looking for ideas about the deep connectedness of all things and how the profound nature of our oneness can be approached from architecture or art, math or biology, electronics or myth. You can find most of his diverse work spiraling out of his main hub at fractalfield.com and we should all prepare to have our minds thoroughly blown. A Dan of many trades, a connector of dots as well as hearts, and the professor of Plasma Vortexes, Dan Winter, welcome to the higher side. Wow, and I thought I talked fast. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I try, man. Got to get them set up. And this is complex stuff, but it is certainly a pleasure. It took me a long time to wrap my head even halfway around your work, but I kept coming back to it because I've had many listeners request that I get you on here, and today is the day. And I think the crux of what you're about for listeners' context is that 
The universe is fractal, everything is energy, and so many of life's mysteries become clear when you understand what a plasma vortex is and how it becomes centripetal through phase conjugation. And to clarify that, think of a tornado in the eye of the storm. Think of how that visual relates to the feeling that facilitates astral travel, or even look at a pentagram, and you can see how many different seemingly unrelated things are trying to reference or harness this vortex shape, and it's kind of the key to everything, it seems. Is that a decent elevator pitch? How would you amend that? <laughs> wow, you're doing such a good job. I think I'm going to retire, Noah. <laughs> no, actually, it's really true. I, I became quite frustrated as an electrical engineer and systems analyst. It appeared that today's science really does not know why anything is centripetal and therefore does not know why anything is self-organizing or called negentropic, which is to say, why does anything emerge from chaos in principle? And so I really was researching that, and I discovered it's true that fractality is the answer, but it is very specific what I discovered. I discovered if you take the wavelength, which is the musical key signature of the universe, named Planck, Planck length and time, it's 1.61 times 10 to the minus 33 centimeters, and every wave that physics has ever measured fits evenly into that. So it's a musical key of all of physics. And then you simply multiply repeatedly by golden ratio, and you get things like I discovered, the radii of hydrogen. And so now I, if you look at a top-down view of spiraling pentagrams, that's literally the physics of how hydrogen is assembled. And that stellation by golden mean ratio is by definition the perfection of self-similarity which is the principle of what fractality is. And further, that now suddenly answered the question of how hydrogen is making gravity, which contains this clue, why do, does anything, why does any object fall to the ground? So by discovering that this golden spiral is the structure of hydrogen and the universe and everything living and DNA and every living protein, we also discovered why certain items are centripetal and thereby implosive and self-organizing. And we've implemented that in three or four major technologies already. It's, it's pretty exciting. Yes, this is really fascinating stuff. That's a great summary. And I've heard you say that if you truly understand what a plasma vortex is, then you can understand how shamans steer tornadoes. And that is a fascinating subject. What can you say about that? <laughs> well, the point is to understand how that plasma vortex becomes centripetal. So first, we need to say what plasma is. Plasma is essentially a cloud of charge, which is what the universal ether, being a compressible superfluid, is made of. So everything that's alive is essentially made of a cloud of charge that's formed a tornado. It's actually true. But inherent to what we need to talk about here is for people to understand how these vortex got centripetal in the first place began to implode and then we can talk about how mind is the centripetal force, <laughs> literally the physics of consciousness. So step one would be to talk about exactly why it is that golden ratio perfected fractality causes the centripetal force named gravity and consciousness. So if you look at the way the waves are converging, golden ratio is the only ratio that allows waves to add and multiply recursively, constructively. And that's the definition of self-similarity and fractality and perfect embedding 
and the physics behind what science calls entanglement. But now that we see that we're using that perfected adding and multiplying of wavelengths recursively, which only golden ratio allows, perfected heterodyning, it's called, which means wave length and wave velocity are adding and multiplying recursively, perfected heterodyning. So as the wave is approaching on that, visualize a nest of pentacles, the 10 spirals of the golden mean. There's lots of graphics at fractalfield.com. So when the waves cross at each of those nodes, they add and multiply recursively and constructively, not just wavelength, but what's called wave phase velocity. And that's the fun part, because suddenly now the velocities of the wave front are adding and multiplying constructively as they approach center. So the golden ratio fractality allows the phase velocity to add and multiply as it going towards center in addition to the wavelength and frequency, meaning the speed of the wave increases as it moves towards center. And that acceleration of charge down only the golden ratio vortex is what is the reason hydrogen makes gravity. Because gravity is simply a name for acceleration of charge. That's what it is. So now for the first time, unlike Einstein, NASA, and Stephen Hawking, you could tell your children why an object falls to the ground after my new equation proved that hydrogen is fractal. Now you can visualize a vortex based on pentacles and golden ratio that's imploding charge towards center. Actually, what's happening is the charge is accelerating through the speed of light at exactly what's called the Planck threshold we just talked about, and that what's called transverse up and down wave becomes a what's called longitudinal or compressional wave, which is literally gravity wave. And the proof, the smoking gun that I'm right, is when Professor Raymond Chow proved that the most common velocities actually measured faster than light center exactly around golden ratio times the speed of light. So that's proof that my theory of gravity is correct. That's caused by golden ratio fractality. So now you can at least think about what could make a vortex implode. Then we can have the rest of our fun conversations, including, <laughs> you know, how a shaman steers a tornado. But was that much clear, do you think? Yes, I think so. And I have actually talked to some people who are magically inclined to have been able to mentally create weather effects. So it's not really outside of the realm of things we've talked about before, but you explain it so well. And is this something you've seen firsthand yourself? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, 30 years of pretty intense Kundalini, and I also teach the physics of rainmaking which is an introduction to steering tornadoes, you know, most children, if they're sort of happy and dancing barefoot in the soil, so they're grounded, if they focus on a cloud, they can put a hole in the cloud. We teach the electrical engineering of how that happens, that the brainwave cascade also becomes golden ratio, the physics of bliss. We measure that at flameandmind.com. And so their body becomes centripetal electrically. So when you focus in a cloud, you're actually creating what's called implosive or centripetal capacitance, a little seed of imploding charge that causes the water vapor to converge, which is the physics of crystallization or Christos, which is how a droplet forms, teaching water vapor to touch. Another example is this well-known by measurement, Bill Tiller, that focused human attention causes electric fields to compress. That's measured and proven. I'm the first one to explain how and why Focused consciousness causes electrical compression. We now know exactly why. Because consciousness is a centripetal 
plasma vortex. Another example of that is the many children, of course, who are able to see without their eyes, very well-known phenomena. But we teach children to see without their eyes, flameandmind.com slash outer vision. And basically, it's simple. They make a cascade in their brainwaves, which is measurable and teachable. They go into a relaxed trance bliss. And then they all report they see a small vortex tunnel open up inside their head, literally a tube, and they look through it like an eyeball, and they can see perfectly blindfolded and do everything. The interesting physics here is that also explains why so many shaman and near-death experiences can take their vision outside their head, because vision is a plasma vortex that's pulled together and focused enough to form literally an eyeball called phase conjugate perception at the center. So all of that is about plasma tornadoes. <laughs> yes. And when talking about these things with many different guests, it just seems like everybody kind of has their own terminology, but are oftentimes speaking about similar things like Indra's net or just this uh, lattice work of energy that connects all things. Some people say ether, more people are saying plasma, but do you consider some of these terms interchangeable? I know you want to stick to your terminology, but are other people out there trying to talk about the same thing? It's just not really in our culture, so it's really hard to nail down. Excellent question. You know, many metaphors like Indra's net are actually beautiful and useful. However, if we use strictly measurable electrical engineering terms, then we can understand better how the collective unconscious works, how you make phone calls to ancestors. We've measured the fractality of the air where ancestor phone calls are possible. We've determined from Cozy Rev the place where the Cozy Rev mirror enables military quality telepathy. You know exactly how to measure the place you have to put it. Specifically, the correct electrical engineering term is longitudinal interferometry. Essentially, remember that vortex that came to focus where the pine cones kiss noses precisely at the Planck distance that launches a longitudinal compressional wave, incorrectly called scalar. And those waves can go through about anything, but the only way their inertia bounces back into transverse, where we can see them in measurement, are at the compression nodes of a fractal array. Primary example would be the dodeca Earth grid. At those nodal grid points, it's been measured that nuclear critical mass is reduced, we know exactly why, and that only essentially at those points, their relatives, is telepathy possible, etc. So you can, the best place for a labyrinth, cathedral, and healing plasma net. So what's called sacred space, those compression nodes are a place where the transverse and longitudinal inertia couple. That's called embedding. So that is the array. For example, if you was Karatkov did follow the Kogi to where they make phone calls to ancestors and measure the fractality of the air. We measure it in three different ways. You can see that at goldenmean.info slash architecture. The point being that once you've identified as an electrical engineer what had been called sacred space, which is simply non-destructive compression, fractality in air, a longitudinal node, then you can identify precisely the place where cathedral, labyrinth, stone circle, ancestor phone calls, and birth and death are successful. Indra's net. 
Yes, you are touching on so many things that I want to get deeper into. But a primary thing I've heard you talk about that I think is really fascinating is John D. and Edward Kelly, because we know about the Anakian channelings, but not really much else. And I've heard you talk about their work in alchemy, the connection to Shakespeare, and that they actually steered one of these very tornado-like storms to wipe out the Spanish Armada. These are the kinds of things I would love to know more about. It seems like many, many things are possible when you really harness this energy and have a real understanding of its multiple applications. Well, good question. And that is an area that we've done a lot of work. But then we need to go back because I didn't finish talking about the actual physics of how a tornado is steered by a shaman, which wouldn't be necessary to introduce that conversation. Sure. And the physics, if you're clairvoyant enough and you're watching a shaman steer the tornado, you would observe the bioplasmic streamers emerge from the belly of the shaman, and they would be sucked into what's called embed in the center of the tornado to the point where the shaman becomes electrically the center of gravity of the tornado. Now, psychologically, what's happening is the shaman says, I'm eating the chucha, which is almost close to saying I'm eating the anger or eating the pain. And by feeling the pain of the tornado, for example, the tornado passes over metal buildings. That's called pain because those are places where charge cannot implode. And so the tornado goes out of its way to destroy metal trailer park where a tornado will never hurt a sacred stone circle because that feels like part of its body. So anyway, the tornado then falls in love with the shaman and chooses to follow it around. That's a psychological description. But the hydrodynamic or electrical engineering description is the center of the shaman's attention has literally become the center of low pressure and therefore the steerage of that tornado. Even human attention creates the center of lowest pressure, hence defining implosion. So it's literally empathy, literally embedding that enables the shaman to steer the tornado, which is another way of, if you look at the electrical origin of the heartbeat, it's a series of concentric donuts around the EKG. And when you turn it inside out recursively, constructively, that is literally the physics of compassion, reaching out and letting the outside embed on the inside. You literally turn yourself inside out for your lover. And recursive turning inside out is actually how tornadoes form and are steered. So the introduction of both the plasma and the psychology of steering tornadoes. I mean, I have to admit that after so many years of Kundalini, I, I've done a lot of rainmaking. Stories at goldenmean.info slash rain. But now we might be more ready to go toward your question about John D. and Kelly. <laughs> well, all of that is story is at goldenmean.info slash ophanum. And we also have a beautiful, it's called Alchemy Ophanum Enochian study group on Facebook you could check into as well. Basically, you know, I had a partner, Vincent Bridges, who was an expert in D and Kelly. I sort of became that as well. And it is true that we are pretty clear that John D told Queen Elizabeth in England, perhaps a year ahead of time, he was going to make the storm that took out the Spanish Armada. It was a plan. And we believe that Francis Garland, well documented in John D's notebook, was in fact Shakespeare. There's lots of evidence, and you can read it there as well. And that became uh, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, and it became, what's that famous Shakespearean play? Anyway, so 
John Dee went to the seven hills of Prague. It's a long story, but the magnetic map of Prague is, in fact, a rose, and used what's called the Ophania Minokian calls, which we have a lot of experience with. Basically, if you look at a plasma donut from a superset of the tetracubic spirals named Hebrew and Sanskrit, the superset of those spirals on the torus plasma self-organizing, the physics of alphabet, is called the hypercube, and that's the Ophana Minokian alphabet used to make the movie Stargate, and that's the physics of basically perfected implosion. So by focusing on one particular plasma donut symmetry at a time called the sacred letter, in the case of Hebrew, that would be a rabbi making a golem, but in the case of Ophana Minokian, you're calling an interstellar plasma intelligence whose bodies are assembled of plasma donuts by the symmetry we call hypercube, and that's literally angelic physics. Remember that all of the scientists who built the Plasma Universe website, they all believe in angels now, have <laughs> large plasma intelligence. That's old news. But large plasma intelligences are the solution to places on Earth whose tornadoes need steering. <laughs> and basically, that's the, the Tempest. That's the Shakespeare play, yes. That's the Tempest story. And so, in fact, the direction from which the storm that took out the Spanish Armada was unprecedented, we believe, in meteorological history. And the Spaniards, who were then stranded on the coast of Ireland, are still growing up in Ireland today because of that storm. That's a little short. <laughs> And we could go into the physics of alchemy more there, too, but that's a big story. Sure, yes. Uh, alchemy is something that interests me quite a bit. In one of your videos, the text of it says that in terms of the history of alchemy as centripetal plasma science, alchemy as practiced in ancient Egypt might well be considered an ancient breakthrough technology using the sacred geometry of the temple itself as the container. And... That's quite interesting. Well, Vincent Bridges, who I worked with on this for many years, who narrated most of the television series on Nostradamus, History Channel, etc., believed, and I think correctly, that most of the gold in Egypt was made alchemically. An example, the reason mummy powder was served in every pharmacy in Europe for 300 years is not because those Egyptians in the mummy ate gold powder. Wrong. <laughs> no, it's because... The dielectric capacitance in the natron in the mummification process was introduction to the alchemizing principle which converted that flesh into an Ormes amulet. And it was that gold powder amulet in the flesh that was so important in every pharmacy in Europe. So that gives you a little intro. But the more colorful part of that story is there's a certain period in history called the Mad Caliph at the time, just before the First Crusade. He went insane because he was eating the powder used by his alchemists of the ground-up cobblestone. And we know the physics, it's a, in that particular glass meteorite, the, the vaporized gold foam sandwich forms a nano-implosive that makes it extremely high dielectric. And so that red powder, later called projective powder, or the philosopher's stone. So when Peter the Hermit, the mad Peter the Hermit was the salesman who sold the First Crusade to the bankers of Europe. And when he saw that the Muslims had achieved the first real alchemy, that's when he went back and sold the First Crusade. And 
it's a bit too long of a story, and Vincent, in his incarnation there, got stuck in that crusade. But let's say that that red powder, in Vincent's other lifetimes, as both Flamel and Kelly, he made the purest gold that had ever been made, as measured by the British Royal Society, actually, in that day. Those transmutations are extremely well documented in history. It's not fantasy. It has to do with the catalyzing of the non-destructive isotope collapse between electron shells by a properly distributed super dielectric in the red-hot mercury, which you remember is only one electron difference. The nucleus is the same as gold. So basically it's LENR, the low energy reaction. It's a catalyzed non-destructive charge collapse. And that is a good introduction to what alchem means in place of the blackness, blue-black blood, original name for Egypt, because it is about the physics of implosion. And it's true that some of that powder, you know, if it's done correctly, you know, you kind of live forever. That's why the mad caliph was eating it in the first place, although obviously he didn't do it right. So a little introduction to that story. <laughs> I like it. I think we really are going to just be getting little introductions to so many different things because every different subject you get into is so deep. I wanted to talk about these plasma beans, but before we do that, maybe we should talk about language because... This is a big part of your work. You break down the characters of alphabets like ancient Hebrew, Sanskrit, and even Enochian. Yes, I do. Yes, yes. And you show that these letters or characters are pieces of the higher dimensional superstructure that is the universe. As I pulled from one of your previous interviews, another way to say it is that you view Enochian as a nested system of multidimensional geometries a bioenergetic machine provided to humans from the outside to help jumpstart our own evolution. Pretty fascinating stuff. When you have the visuals, which we don't have here, it is kind of clear how you could see the logic of a higher dimensional being giving us two dimensional pieces of a three or four or five dimensional superstructure, and they just look like these little squiggles from our perspective. I don't know if I'm doing a very good job explaining this, but maybe you could do better. You know, I like the way you bring color to the conversation. It's wonderful. But more specifically, from the mathematic point of view, what I did was I took the equation for the self-organizing golden spiral and superposed that topologically on my new equation for a nest of donut tori, which are also self-organizing, and put the spiral on the torus and then look at the shadows of that one spiral on that torus, indexed by the seven arrows of the tetra. The shadows are Hebrew and Sanskrit animations, goldenmean.info slash DNA ring. Now, that tetracubic algorithm for assembling magnetic donuts is the beginning of, for example, DNA codons, and certainly the physics of the atomic table, or platonic nesting of toroids, is the only thing physics has to talk about. But the superset of that was that if you take the tetracubic symmetry and embed it in a rotating cube embedded in a dodecaecosa, the superset of those same vortex on the same toroid, remember there's only one spiral on one donut, and the shadows are, you know, from many one, e pluribus unum, was the entire alphabet. So that was the index. For example, if you visualize one Hebrew letter at a time and fill the optical cortex, you're literally creating a smoke ring inside your head, and when you blow it, you can nest them to make golem or tornadoes, literally the physics, the only physics of creation. 
nesting charge donuts. The superset Ophana minokian of that same in hypercube symmetry, you can see the visuals again at goldenmean.info slash Ophanin. And indeed, and we must credit Vincent and Darlene for working out those structures. I did the original, but then they worked out the hypercube Ophana minokian. And basically, it's simple. When you say the next dimension, the only thing you mean is the next superposed axis of spin symmetry, which adds the potential for increased spin density, but also information density. And it's obvious that you cannot rotate any vortex array upon tetra cube unless you use golden ratio, which is exactly how five cubes embed in pentodeca. And that's essentially the only possible next dimension. And if you rotate that then dodeca down a helix, that is a perfect, exquisite map of DNA. Goldenmean.info says DNA manifesto for the visuals. And if you braid the braid of the braid on that braid, string to rope to fat rope, which is the physics of bliss by phonon embedding, the plot thickens and that actually causes your DNA to implode. And that's the physics of how you get a soul, essentially, indicated by ability to lucid dream. You become longitudinally plasma projective. And that's when you will then take something through death. Mm. Well said. Yes, I have in my notes here that you have said this science of implosion and vortexing is the key to understanding the life force inside of a seed, how souls form in DNA, principles of zero point energy, how lucid dreaming works, and all sorts of things where it does feel like the key is imploding pressure and then an energy emerges. And when you visualize all those different things, at least for me, I do think it's kind of clear how you could see that template applying to them. Yes. And let's try to get super practical and sort of electrical engineering about that. We built a plasma generator called Therafi, T-H-E-R-A-P-H-I dot net which is successful in 25 countries doing rejuvenation, pain reduction. We don't make medical claims, but it's based on priori and it's very, very successful. And you can read the results there. But notably that, and we use a broad spectral phase conjugate wave that's based exactly on my equation named Origin of Biologic Megentropy, the title of my book, Simply Planck Times Golden Ratio. And we take that cascade and dump it at half a million volts, big pine cone into that noble gas phase conjugate optical plasma, and it's big pine cones kissing noses, and it's amazing. And the reason I bring it up here is because it's a demonstrated, documented trigger for lucid dreaming. And we know that's a major indicator, probably the indicator, of whether you'll take memory through death, which means simply that you have become longitudinally plasma projective, the physics of shamanism, remote viewing, and what's called rainbow body, Kesjan body, in all these names we have etheric body. It's in fact the bubble of electrical coherence around your aura becomes centripetal enough that you can then embed the longitudinal components of this wave array. For example, in my case, after many years of Kundalini, I began to develop clairaudience to hear ancestors at sacred sites with the Cherokee, for example. So that array is the physics of the collective unconscious. And the way to make phone calls there is your aura has to be longitudinally coherent enough to be plasma projective. Also why when you use that cascade, you can trigger not just bliss and brain waves, but you can trigger ability to astral travel and remote view. Hmm. I love it. And 
Therify Plasma Regeneration Centers. These exist in California, Vegas, Oregon, Colorado, many other places. I looked this up. I mean, this is pretty impressive that these centers have all adopted this technology, this system that you discovered and put together. Some of these centers also offer hydroxy gas inhalation. We had a previous guest, George Wiseman, go on about the importance of hydrogen and this hydrogen oxygen gas. And it also seems to play a, a key role in regeneration. And hydrogen is a big part of the Therify plasma regeneration too, isn't it? Exactly. In fact, the frequency cascade that I proved is the radiative hydrogen is the core of the Therify cascade frequencies, as are the Schumann harmonics and brainwave harmonics of bliss in the infrasound component. And yes, it's true that it was I who originally proved the fractal structure of hydrogen, which is why it's so megantropic, especially, especially in its nano or monoatomic state. So yes, for example, our Las Vegas center, Ublicity Death Con, is well known for the synergy with uh, hydrogen breathing, etc. It's true that also hydrogen, extra hydrogen in water is the key to healing, and we have a technology for that, theimploder.com, which uses implosion vortex. But yes, therify.net is, I don't know, there's 20 or 30 or 40 centers in the USA, and, and then that many more in other countries around the world. It's gone viral, what can I say? But I must <laughs> I must say that my partner, I'm the co-inventor with Paul Harris in Western Canada, who probably is the world's leading teacher of hands-on alchemy as well, actually. So there are two wow. of us. But you see, I discovered the physics. Antoine Priory is the precedent there who famously healed tens of thousands of cancers here in France, documented by the French government. But he was spending millions to build each one of his gadgets and didn't have a clue of the physics principle, unfortunately, did not know what phase conjugation was. But he inherited a set of frequencies from Reif and Lakowski and Reich and Tesla. And it turns out that in that process, they tripped very closely the cascade predicted by my equation. So when I discovered that my equation predicted more accurately the frequencies Antoine Priori was using in France, then we were able to perfect it. Specifically, Priori didn't even know that you needed opposing pairs of sources, which is critical to phase conjugation, as any laser optics person would tell you. You got to have two pine cones to kiss noses, great implosion at the center. And then we did a broad spectrally by equation, but you can read the, the physics is very well articulated there at verify.net. And you're right, it's about a centripetal plasma tornado. We have many technologies that are doing that, and even our carbon nanobooth. A lot of things are cooking, but our water tech is very successful also, theimploder.com. And our brainwave tech using the same frequencies, flameandmind.com. Very cool. I spent a lot of time on that website. And you have used this phrase, where pine cones kiss noses a couple of times. And I think the most obvious imagery that people would think of is those ancient depictions of Gilgamesh, or it's shown up several other places where there's a person holding a pine cone out, typically with a small bag in the other hand. It's a pretty ubiquitous ancient carving or symbol. Is this what you're getting at? Did the ancients obviously have this sort of knowledge base that we've just, I guess, lost over time? Well, we think that Hermes Thoth, uh, whose symbol Caduceus, is what today is called phase conjugation, for one thing. And that is the physics of life force, and that's hermetically sealed, as it were, 
And it's true, the pine cone is also the way they serve their white gold powder, which is why it's depicted at Rennes Chateau. But it's also a pine cone is a very practical tool for rainmaking if you know how to use it as well, actually. And the purse, we think, was, they say it was a home for seeds, but actually the Sumerian Anunnaki, they had a green Kirku crystal, which is functionally a computer disk. In fact, they had wars over computer disks. The Sumerian term for computer disk is M-E, as in me asa uru measurement. And as Sitchin, I think, did get that right. And so that's what the purse was really for. They use it for record keeping, etc. But the pine cone was their mechanism of life force generation. Very practical way to remember how that worked is is well documented in the Sumerian and Anunnaki that when they arrived here, they were running from the Pleiadian queens. All the, their literature is clear. They were aging catastrophically, prematurely, and they would do what's called raise a shem unto the Lord, which at that time was mistranslated as I will build an altar <laughs> to, to God. But actually the word shem refers to what an altar is, which is implosive capacitance, because that is the only age-reversing technology that saved their lives. So phase conjugate time reversal, actually, which today you would call age reversal, is what they meant when they said, I will build a Shem unto the Lord. Shem also meaning black hole, which is also how you build time reversal. So to be able to build a paramagnetic structure that was charge implosive was the beginning of their ability to not age catastrophically because they were used to neotropic environments. And a practical example is that picture they call the light bulb and stone in the pyramid where the Egyptians made a light bulb. It's not just a light bulb, it's a plasma tube. It's literally the logo for Therify.net because that kind of age reversal technology, Hashem unto the Lord, was central to all the Sumerian literature. So yes, they knew something about it. <laughs> when you say phase conjugate, is that kind of like a phase lock or a synchronization of this energy? Is that a, a way people should think of it? Well, I think let's be as concrete as we can be to people who know some physics. If you want to phase conjugate lasers, you must have an angstrom level accurate opposing from opposite direction, 180 degrees out of phase, and they must meet in a super high dielectric called a phase conjugate mirror, which incidentally is how the Olmec telephoned ancestors in obsidian mirrors, and what John Dee did for ancestor phone calls, because the phase conjugate mirror embeds longitudinal and thus ancestor phone calls. So in physics, a phase conjugate mirror is the first place optically where time reversal and megentropy was measured. Now, if you ask a physicist how that works, they don't have a clue, but what they do know is that the super dielectric material is key. In the case of conventional phase conjugate optics, it's barium strontium titanate. In the case of the ancients, it was the ground up rock powder of the Kaaba stone. But in both cases, super high dielectric enabled permissive non destructive charge collapse at angstrom quantum levels, which means the pine cones got to kiss noses permissively, enabling the implosion through the speed of light at the Planck threshold called phase conjugation which is specifically where the waves can conjugate perfectly, and which no physicist before me realized is precisely the problem only solved by golden mean ratio. 
And by the way, my friend Bob Roswell there in Buffalo finally then proved that if you want to use lasers to trigger medicine under the skin, the best way to get no heating was golden ratio. <laughs> wow. But so phase conjugation basically is a name for implosion in subquantum distances, two to Planck by golden ratio, ultimately. And phase conjugation, phase conjugate magnetics, for example, I invented, as Elizabeth Rauscher confirmed when she measured the frequencies of magnetism, which caused pain reduction in her FDA trials. And later she saw that I predicted what those frequencies are by equation, which, by the way, are the frequencies emitted by the magnetic coil at therapy.net. So phase conjugate magnetics and phase conjugate dielectrics. Phase conjugate dielectrics are very cool. And the paper on it is called Alice in Barium Titanate Land. Mm. <laughs> That's the paper on phase conjugate dielectric. It gives you a clue because self-organization is so little understood by physics. Why does one phase conjugate field over here self-organize and find the one on the other side of the room? Hello, hello. <laughs> self-awareness is a name for the implosion that results from phase conjugation. That's what self-awareness is. The ability to non-destructively self-re-enter, the electrical definition of consciousness, also defines the perfect implosive plasma vortex, phase conjugation. Ah, well, now it all makes sense. <laughs> it's dense stuff, man, but it is super fascinating to hear about. And let's talk about John Dee's angels or these higher beings. Maybe angels was a bad term to apply to them from the beginning, but you say they are giant plasma beings. And let me just read this quote here. When the plasma domains, which are the sacred letters, converge at conjugate angles, they create a centripetal force, where pine cones kiss noses, and there you access ancestral memory and the collective unconscious because they are plasma, and there you access very large interstellar plasma beings, and there the larger context of life emerges. So our ability to communicate with these very large plasma beings I view personally as being survival critical for our species. Wow. Well, <laughs> you got to tell us a bit more. What are the steps people can take to move towards this communication and why is it so important? Well, again, let's try to be as concrete as possible in the first part of that question, which is, you know, the reason our tornadoes are unsteered is the same reason our elementals are not acknowledged you know by not playing with the elementals we condemn ourselves to drought and tornadoes it's literally true mm. plasma beings are so integral to the success of nature that if we don't work with them actively we are condemned to death quite literally and they regard us as drunk and stupid because we don't work with them and talk with them and play with them. You know, I was at Findhorn, I, I know the story. But those plasma beings are just like any other orb. You know, if you've got fresh-cut biological material like trees, you'll have orbs all over the place, plasma. But if you've got a metal, steel, or aluminum building with electrosmog, every single orb and plasma elemental and ghost is immediately toast, killed, dead. So our urban areas are automatically at instant death to every plasma living elemental being because it is non-permissive to charge distribution. So charge distribution efficiency 
describes not just consciousness, but only the place where self-organization living plasma can form. The same reason why verify.net works if you get a room full of natural material, but doesn't work if you get a room full of metal and electrosmog. The same reason why negative ion wind, hospital proven to be profoundly healing, is immediately dead if you fill the room with synthetics and electrosmog and metal. So that's an introduction to talking to living plasma and living plasma beings locally. We have pictures, goldenmean.info slash geobiology. And we must, it's urgent, that we teach our children to work with the elemental forces if our species is to survive. That is absolutely clear. But you see, the problem is we don't even realize that the aura around the human body is the only way to get an immune system and survive death. So how can we possibly deal with plasma beings of our plants and, you know, our nature? So we must realize that plasma clouds are life. And once we do, then we can talk about the big ones. <laughs> Great points. Plasma clouds are life. I am on board with that. Even though it feels like we're conditioned away from a lot of the type of thinking and information that you're so focused on. And it makes me wonder about your thoughts on what the elite predator class knows about these things. Because there is a presentation you've given called The Mystery of the Pentagram in Ceremonial Magic and its connection to the angelic ophanic working. And in it, you say that what you're doing with a pentagram is creating a self-organizing sacred space. And in the description of this presentation, you mention pentagram equals pentagon. And that stuck out to me. Are you implying that the builders of the Pentagon knew something about these principles and created their own self-organizing sacred space? Because there's plenty of evidence the CIA has definitely studied these things without advertising it very much. Clearly, there's a lot of power in this stuff and thus an incentive to protect it from being widely known. Do you get the sense that someone up there at the top of the pyramid understands and preserves this sort of knowledge? Or perhaps even weaponizes it against the commoners. What do you think? Well, <laughs> you're asking a big question. I mean, clearly, the government has been experimenting with remote viewing and other things for decades. That's obvious. The tragedy actually is, the one part of that tragedy that I would like to focus on here is after the Pleiadians and Maria Orsic taught the Nazis how to make a mercury vortex implode from Vimana that became Hanabu. The Nazis then ejected Admiral Byrd from South America and then took over a good chunk of Mars, the moon, and now Ceres, and are taking over the solar system. The reason the U.S. government lied to the American people about losing to the Nazis is because they were too stupid to figure out why an object falls to the ground and how a vortex makes gravity. And that is a big tragedy and causes a schizophrenic government. That's an example of a predator class, I would agree with you. And that entire story with all detail, fractalfield.com slash fusion in the blood. And you can read the whole story. Basically, the secret space program, SSP survivors, you know, dozens of them tell exactly the same story. So the government has no plausible deniability. So they have been lying to you for years about losing to the Nazis. And that's just the beginning because there are lots of ET parasites, good guys and bad guys out there. And that's the ET history. I've been teaching that for 10 years. But you can read about it at our 
link there. And I don't know how deep you want to go into that stuff tonight. But yes, and the U.S. government was implicated in that for sure because they made the treaty with the wrong greys and who were bought out by the Dracos at that time. So it's a very messy situation. I absolutely agree with you. And until Earth humans come to realize their place in interstellar politics, we are going to be the subject of parasites. It's clear. And we've been working hard on that. Our YouTube channel has a million views plus telling exactly that story. YouTube.com slash Dan Winter Fractal Field. <laughs> yeah, I had a note here about the grays that I wanted to ask you about. So in today's world, we've lost so much of this energy, so much of the soul, we could say. And it seems like a super powerful thing. We haven't even talk too much about astral travel or portals, but this energy is a big part of it. And I've heard you say it's this essence that the greys had been extracting from people during these abduction experiences, which makes a lot more sense to me now because you would hear things about, oh, they're after our souls. And, you know, I guess we think of that in a certain spiritual context, but if you think of it more as like, prana energy or our aura or that this energy actually has like really powerful multidisciplinary applications that's what they were after i mean i don't know i like that framing of it but talk to us a little bit more about the abduction experience and what the grays seem to be trying to get out of us remember the grays first of all they don't like to be called that the kumir originally from reticulum and many but they lost what we would call a soul thousands of years ago, again, at the hands of the Draco, really. And even the abductions they did here were mostly paid for by groups like the Draco. So you wouldn't blame them so directly, but more indirectly. And there's many, there's actually some very useful groups of greys as well. But the bigger story, and that's the important story, is why all these ETs are here stealing from the DNA library of humans. And that's the physics that's of interest. And I often use the story of the Pleiadian Tegaten, who are female-dominated uh, Gosha and uh, Cosmic Agency YouTube channel. They're hyper-controlling female-dominated, 80% women. They use parthenogenesis for women. And their gene pool is dying, as the Andromedans pronounced, because losing what we would call a soul, which now we know exactly what that is, that's the ability of DNA to implode. And actually, the Dracos have a similar problem. They admit they've lost long-term memory. So of the many, and there are dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of ET cultures preying on Earth. Some of them are trying to help. Galactic Federation led by the Andromedans. They're trying to keep the parasites out. But it's a very complicated situation. But the basics of the situation is the most valuable thing here is the DNA library. And the valuable thing about the DNA library is what you would call getting a soul back into DNA, what I call Humpty Dumpty's egg. A very practical example is who can make a kid who can lucid dream? That's the issue. Because, you know, when the Draco Charlie ran Montauk, <laughs> they had to swipe the kids. They abducted the kids who could lucid dream. When they abducted the kids for SSB, Secret Space Room, it's the kids who could lucid dream. It's kids who had coherent longitudinal something in their aura, what you would call a soul, which makes them psychokinetic. That is the magic recipe, and that's Humpty Dumpty's egg. That's the physics of the Holy Grail, which we're just teaching about now, that fractality. And that's what everybody's here to steal well, or borrow. And unfortunately, that's exactly what we're losing as a species 
as we jump into AI and vaccinations and all the things that cost your kids their soul. So until we know what a soul is in electrical engineering and genetic engineering terms, we're going to be condemned to the board, unfortunately. So we must, we must, as a species, learn the difference between AI and having a soul or we're, we're toast. We're connected to the Elon Musk worldview, which is, oh, you know, you need an implant and you need a Borg and you need a machine. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody was machine? <laughs> <laughs> right. So the physics is, to, as I say, the definition of culture is if you can teach your child how to have a bliss experience. And the aboriginals would agree. And now the Italians agree <laughs> because that's when you begin to form actually this coherent charge bubble called soul. And once you can answer that question, then you can make a decision about what technology you want to use and what you don't. Like Steiner said, you know, after seven years old, the kids look at the computer repeatedly. That child loses the inner muscle to make an image inside their head to imagine specifically because they lose the nervous capability in their brain because they can't make it centripetal because they've always been had their pictures generated from the outside. Whereas in the Steiner School, you teach the kids to draw a rose clear enough and then close your eyes and imagine the rose clear enough. And they determine when the child has succeeded because the room fills with the smell of roses. And we teach the physics of why the flowering brain, physics of olfaction, infrared propagation. <laughs> wow. Wow. And so I can definitely start letting you go. But before we do, let's talk a bit about your inventions and the applications of your discoveries, because there are a lot. We talked about some, but definitely not all. We talked about Therify Plasma Regeneration Centers. We talked about Flame and Mind, Brainwave Empowerment, Bliss Biofeedback. You did mention the water imploder, which is kind of a, a vortexer. And that's very interesting. You have a testimonial from a marijuana farmer on there that he had 168% growth benefit and he's got images the whole way from seedlings to flowering marijuana plants and it was impressive to see that one set clearly did benefit and he says that is all due to your water imploder and I know another one of your things that we haven't spoken much about is the heart tuner. And another one is the ECAT energy catalyzer. Maybe you want to tell us about those things and where people can get them and any other things I might have left out of this long list of applications and inventions that you do have. Well, thank you. You know, Therify.net on the plasma is pretty self-explanatory. Flameinmind.com use the same frequencies for brainwave bliss entrainment and audio binaural bliss, very self-explanatory. Theimploder.com has the water vortex, Schauberger's dream, vortex imploder, and the super imploder has now been replaced by the very commercial one-inch solid stainless ultra imploder. You can read about there. And so, yes, indeed, you have that implosive vortex adding solubility and therefore a bioavailability and charge to water. Amazing effect on taste as well as growth and hypersolubility. And it's also true now that the Therify plasma is being used to trigger seed germination dramatically. For example, in Nashville, David there says the flower shop across the street, the flowers have doubled their life span just by the presence 
of a therified plasma. As universal record, plants respond amazingly to centripetal force of plasma. And the same marijuana growers who originally said 160% or more growth by imploder for marijuana plants now say they're getting growth effect in like over 100% increase in growth from zapping the seeds with the plasma before germination, which is what we think one of the original functions of pyramids were, or zapping seeds with the necessary centripetal force, the definition of life or death for a seed. So the, and, and actually our wonderful biodynamic scientist just is now using Therify for biodynamic preparations, etc., for, for agriculture. So yes, growth and life force in buildings and in plasma, we're, we're doing a lot. Now, as far as the nanotechnologies, well, we have a nanoconfidential carbon project, which is way beyond fullerenes, but I can't go into that too much right now, other than to say that once we learn to rotate a conjugator, it will make every other form of energy and propulsion on this planet look like the Stone Ages, absolutely for sure. And to rotate a conjugator, you must start with carbon nano, for example, at at least 99% pure. And no one else on the planet knows how to do that, actually. But here's an example that in the USA, the 60 cycle, which is Tesla's mistake, is not conjugate to Planck. Whereas in Europe, it's 50 cycle, which is exactly golden ratio times Planck. And in that environment, you can grow carbon. So there's some difference to actually what electric field allows phase conjugate and entropy to grow. So this affects the future of nanotechnology and our understanding of the difference between AI and insulin. In fact, I would almost like to end on that thought, that once we understand the difference between what happens in DNA and what happens in AI, we will understand what it is to have a soul, and we can decide when AI technologies are not respecting what our children need to be in order to have a soul for our futures. So we really need to get articulate. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, yes, on that note, we can definitely wrap it up. The people grumble quite loudly if we don't have a full show, but I can massage the last few minutes and hopefully they'll forgive us because we talked quite fast and packed in a lot of information. But Dan, this has been a real wild ride. And uh, I really appreciate it. You gave us a lot of links. Of course, I will add as many of them as I can to the show notes. It's been a real pleasure. Keep doing what you do. Well, thank you. People can find me at fractalfield.com and all those links. And thank you for the amazing preparation you did to get organized to actually discuss all these things in such a disciplined manner. Thank you. And I'm sorry my voice gave out, but, you know, <laughs> that's my limitation. Yes, that's life. I send love to your audience and appreciate the work you're doing. Blessings. Thank you. Cheers to that. All right, coming from yours truly, the newly named color commentator of conspiracy culture, Dan Winner, a heavily requested guest from the Plus People. And I definitely understand why. He's kind of got that mad scientist, Eric Dollardish vibe going on. And he certainly knows a lot about a lot, coupled with being a bit of a character, which is right up my alley, obviously. And this show is really thrown into the mix to try to diversify the lineup from just COVID, vaccine, 
technocratic transhumanist takeover topics. It's really the only game in town these days when you look at the greats and what they're focused on. And rightfully so, I get that. But it is a large and complex world out there we can't forget. And it seems as if Dan does have a good grip on some major pieces of the big puzzle. I like his perspective and the description of angels as higher beings of plasma. I like the idea of characters of language handed down from on high being aspects of the superstructure in 2D form. Consciousness itself as a plasma vortex. Magical ritual and the pentagram as aspects of this plasma vortex paradigm. I'm kind of reminded of Dr. Judy Wood, who was describing the -the off-the-books technology that she thinks was a main factor on 9-11, and how she kept equating it to a tornado towards the end of the interview, and strange, almost transmutation-y things found in the aftermath and wreckage of material that tornadoes have passed through. I believe she said something to the effect of how we could understand the technology better if we understood tornadoes and their physics a bit better. It's been a few years, but something like that. And today's interview, of course, is circling around, no pun intended, the same type of thinking. Plus, listeners not only got a whole second hour of densely packed food for thought, but also some fun back and forth, little tug of war where Dan is trying to get off the phone with me and me pushing to keep him on the line. I empathize with Dan and any guest who loses their voice before a two-hour interview is over, but it is my job to make sure we do everything we can do to cross that finish line. (laughs) And even though this has happened before, I did leave the banter in on this one because it was just too unnatural to try to cut around it and remove that. But it gives you a taste of how these things go for me sometimes. But I do appreciate Dan's dedication to weird science and understanding the structure behind the structure and how reality really works. If you enjoyed that first hour, you should know that plus people also got to hear us get into stuff like making sense of that relationship between pain and sigh, advanced hygiene for bliss, how to build up that kundalini energy, the best places to be born and to die energetically, black goo, black cubes, and super sentient AI, will, thoughts, manifestation, and magic, elementals, and an introduction to rainmaking, sacred architecture and nerfing that energy, the artificial moon and the hollow earth, building stargates and portals, and what show would be complete without a little something-something to be said about the sun's orgasm. I would tell you to sign up and engage in the win-win dichotomy of putting your financial fuel into something you think is valuable and also getting more for yourself, but I've said it all before. TheHigherSideChats.com, if this is the one that pushes you over. If not, I guess I'll serve up another offering for your consideration next week. It is the dance we do. But I also wanted to announce to the plus people that the forum chat is finally finished. And you'll see a general chat tab where you can talk to whoever is there at any given time about anything. And then we have a 
podcast tab where the conversation should relate to what's happening on the 24-7 live stream WTHC at that given time. It's kind of a group listening experience that cycles through recent shows automatically without ads or interruptions. Not some super strict thing, but we all like the show, it seems. That is our connective tissue, and let it be a conversational prompt, if you will. And to kick it off right, I'm going to be there to chat and listen with whoever shows up for the Digital Plus Member Meetup on Monday the 16th at 7 p.m. Pacific Time. That is this upcoming Monday. It's not a huge deal, just a casual hangout, but if you want to stop by and listen to a random hour of THC and chat with me about whatever is on at that time, hop on over, thehiresideforum.com. Obviously, you have to be a Plus member to have a login, but then you can click on Chat from the menu bar, and then you can toggle between General and Podcast Chat. I had this thing built because of a vision for a nice little new branch on the THC tree, and it's a little bare, so I'm hoping this will get people using it. Not the biggest deal, but just a fun new addition to the system. Thanks to the Plus members, I can build out new things that come to mind, and I'm happy to do so. In fact, by the end of the year, you will see that we have a lot of cool new stuff coming. But other than that, I'm just trying to stay caught up and get ahead because I'm going to have a pretty interesting fall. But I'd say we got two good shows for August done already with a pretty killer lineup that I'm excited for. But what host doesn't say that? Either way, you be the judge and time will tell. Thanks for listening. Check out Dan's website and list of product offerings. Lots of interesting applications to his strange and suppressed science. His website is a bit overloaded, but he did drop a ton of links in the interview to follow up on for any aspects of his work that intrigue you most. But that's it for me. Thanks for tuning in as always. I've done my part. Your move, keepers of the centripetal secrets, plasma beans from subspace, and weaponizers of reality itself. You're fucking... Maybe you'll see, goddamn, this plan, no fan.